Building influence is something anyone can learn. It's an investment you can make in yourself and it can hold the keys to achieving your dreams and having the life and impact you want to have. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've learned a lot over three decades about building and sustaining influence and how using it and using it effectively can make a big, big difference in your life and career. Here on She Said, She Said podcast, we're digging into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. If you thought being an influencer was just for social media, think again. Whether you're starting a business, raising money for a cause, negotiating a promotion, running your household, or trying to connect with those who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will increase your chances of success, whatever your goals may be. Listening to She Said, She Said podcast is a smart, efficient investment you can make in you. I'm really glad you're here and I'm excited we're on this journey together. Hey friend, if you're having trouble carving out the time to really strategize about your career, your life, or maybe a potential pivot, this conversation today is for you. This conversation is also for you if you do carve out that time and then you aren't entirely sure how to structure it so that you get the biggest return on your investment of that time. This is part two of my two-part conversation with the amazing Fran Hauser. Now, if you missed part one in episode 197, be sure and go back and listen. Fran's perspective on how the quality of nice has been differentiating for her in her incredibly successful career is well worth a listen. But to be clear, Fran is not giving us a lecture on how to behave. Rather, she's illustrating how just being herself and caring for others and being respectful of others has been one of the secrets to her tremendously successful career. And it's also been a key to building and sustaining influence in her life and career. I really, really loved that part of our conversation. Now, also in part one, I love how Fran talked about laying the groundwork for career pivots, not waiting until you realize or are forced to make a pivot or to reinvent yourself before putting in the time and the effort and the thought process around planning and building important bridges that can ultimately help you make the shift once you realize you need to do so. I'm going to be talking more about this topic of laying the groundwork in a future episode because it hits such a nerve with me, and I suspect it's going to resonate with you as well. Now, before we jump into today's conversation, here's a bit of background on Fran, again, in case you missed episode 197. Her career started out in finance at my former firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Then she moved on to corporate roles at Coca-Cola, then Movie Phone, back when it existed, AOL, Time Warner, and then into media, where she worked at People, In Style, and Entertainment Weekly. At the peak of Fran's corporate and media career, she decided to take a break 
and branch out on her own to coach, mentor, and invest in female-founded companies. Now, to date, she's invested in about 30 of them, including a few whose founders have actually joined us here at She Said, She Said podcast. Fran is also the author of two terrific books, The Myth of the Nice Girl, Achieving a Career You Love Without Becoming a Person You Hate, and more recently, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, a guided workbook for realizing your career goals with clarity, intention, and confidence. Now, this workbook, friend, is a great one to take if you have a few solo days this summer, or perhaps more likely, if you can just carve out a few chunks of time for yourself during a getaway, I think you'll find it well worthwhile. And obviously, the more time that you're able to spend thinking about some of those big questions that Fran poses in the book, the more value you're likely to get from it. I actually have my own copy of Fran's book already packed in my suitcase as I'm so excited for summer vacation. And I will be working through these questions myself this summer. I know that they will spark a lot of ideas, not only for me, but hopefully things that I can share with you as well. So please stay tuned for that. Now, today in episode 198, part two of my conversation with Fran Hauser, we're going to pick right up where we left off in episode 197. And we're going to dig into the Embrace the Work, Love Your Career workbook. We'll talk about four key areas that Fran says can have an outsized impact on your career and how to structure and manage your priorities accordingly. We also talk a lot about building in time for reflection and why that matters on a day-to-day basis. And then, you know, carving out that time, as I said before, when you go off on a trip, maybe making a little bit more time for yourself then as well. Fran and I also talk about why we say yes when we really need to say no. And finally, a piece of advice for developing a differentiated pitch for yourself or your business. All of those topics and so much more in today's episode. As always, friend, you'll find additional takeaways, notes, and links to things that we talk about in the conversation in the show notes for this episode, episode 198. And the best place to get those show notes is on the She Said, She Said podcast.com website. There you will find a full transcript of this conversation, actually all of our conversations. So be sure to check those things out as well. For now, though, here is part two of my conversation with the amazing Fran Hauser. I would love to get into, if we could pivot and get into more of the meat of the new book, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career. You have structured this book around six key topics. Let's dig into sort of the structure and why you decided to organize it the way that you did. You've actually touched on a number of different themes already in you know telling your story. But let's talk about how it's organized. Yeah. So there are six sections. Um, you know, the first section is called Fall in Love with Your Career. Um, and that section is, you know, really, it's a lot of reflecting on what's working for you and what's not working for you. You know, like what um, what are the parts of your current job that you really enjoy? What are the parts that you dread? 
what are the parts that you're good at, you know, and what are the parts that you feel really valued for? So it's a lot of exercises with the intention of, you know, by the end of this section, being able to really visualize a career that you love, like really, you know, being able to, to envision that. Um, and then the second section is designing your career action plan, which um, will help you actualize that vision. So the career action plan gets like really nitty, nitty gritty. You know, it's, yeah. this is really where you're coming up with your, um, I, I alluded before to this idea of, of skills, personal brand, connections, and value creation at work. Those are the four big areas for me. Like when I feel like I focused on those areas, it's had an outsized impact on my career. Mm -hmm. So I encourage women to create one goal in each of those four areas. Mm -hmm. And again, there's like lots of exercises to help you like come up with what that goal, you know, could, could be, could look like. Mm -hmm. um, section three, create time and space. You know, great. You have these goals. But if you don't have the time and the bandwidth and the emotional space to actually work on it, they're never going to get done. So this section is really important. Like, I feel like this could be a book in and of itself, right? Absolutely. This is all about setting boundaries, taking stuff off your to-do list, creating a to-don't list, like really getting you laser focused on making sure that you're carving out time to focus on your career action plan. So it's not that you're just heads down doing your work, right? But you're thinking bigger picture about, about your career. Um, section four is know your value. So this is all about like feeling self-assured and feeling confident, which we know there's a huge confidence gap between men and women. Um, mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time talking about that. And I, I really want, you know, women to, to feel that they, they can do this, you mm -hmm. know? Um, section five, build your dream team. You, you don't need to go through your career journey alone, you know, and the idea of like having people in your life that are going to be there for you, whether they're formal mentors, whether they're champions, whether they're your peers, your friends, your colleagues. Um, and then the last section, reflect and re reset. I really get into kind of mindfulness and how important mindfulness is so that you're really going through your career in a way that's very intentional and that you're not just in autopilot mode. And so I really kind of get into like, what are some just kind of mindfulness practices that you can integrate into your day that are very doable? Yeah. Um, and so at that, and, and the other thing that I'll say about the structure that I really love is at the end of each section, there's a meditation that you can read or you can listen to. You just scan the QR code if you want to listen to me reading it. And there's also a coloring break. There's a, a, mon a mandala and there's just room for like drawing and doodling. And because I think it's really important when you end a section to pause and reflect yeah. versus just jumping into the next, the next section. I love that. I, I, I love, I love so much of this structure. And one of the things that jumped out at me is that this is a workbook that I think works whether you're trying to level set sort of where you are in this moment, or maybe you've, you've, you realize you want to make a pivot or you want to reinvent yourself, or you find yourself out of a job and you're, you're sort of, you're trying to figure out what do I do next? Or maybe it's just to get more growth out of the, where you are, you still like what you're doing, but yes. maybe, you know, there's more, right. Am I, that's sort of how Absolutely. I read this. Yes. And I'm so glad that you picked up on that because I think for so many of us, you know, 
it's really easy to focus on the negative and like what's not working right. for me right now in my job and the work that I do. And, you know, one of the exercises that I have that I really love, and it's been so helpful to me over the years is this exercise where you look at your calendar for the last month, two, three, whatever works for you. And you pick out the meetings or the events or the experiences that put a smile on your face. Mm. And then you go deep into each one of those. And you think about like, what was it about that experience that was so fulfilling? Like, was it the type of problem that I was solving? Was it the skills that I was using? Was it the people that I was working with? And what that allows you to do is like really laser in on what are the parts of your job that you enjoy? Because maybe there's a way that you can do more of that. You know, going back to Time Inc., like when I was eight years in to my 10-year stint there, I started getting that itch. Mm -hmm. And I actually did that exercise. And that's when I realized, like, you know, I really do love the startup piece of, of my job. I wasn't loving, you know, sometimes like when your job gets bigger, it becomes more administrative. Right. And that was the part that I wasn't loving. I felt like yeah. I was spending so much time like working on budgets and cost containment and decks to, for, you know, to present to the board. And, um, and I was in this really negative like space. And I remember doing that exercise and realizing, but wait a second, like I love meeting with startups. Is there a way that I can do more of that? I ended up talking to my boss about it. And we decided that we would create this innovation lab at the company that I would run. Um, and that allowed me to spend more of my time doing the work that I loved. And I had to go through and kind of say, like, what can I take off my plate and assign those things to my team, which, by the way, like they were so happy to take on more sure. because those things that I didn't want to do were actually stretches. You know, they were stretch assignments for, right. for my team. Um, but it was just such a great exercise for me. And I've, I've done that a few times where because, again, it's so natural to think about what's not working, but if you could just shift that mindset to, okay, what is working? And is there a way that I could do more of that? Yeah. I'm curious, um, you put a real premium on reflection at these different points in times. It's a big part of this book. Is that something that you've always done that you sort of did naturally? Or at what point did you realize this is a thing. Maybe not everybody does it quite this way because, and I think you mentioned this maybe in both books, it's a kind of a well-known thing that an, for an awful lot of women, we get really wrapped up in the minutia of our career in a way that sometimes men don't. Uh, again, not true of every single woman every time, but it is generally true that we do tend to put our heads down and do the work. And maybe less inclined naturally to take that step back and really reflect. Maybe yeah. talk about why you think, why you've done this or sort of when you recognized the need to do that and why it was important. You know, I I, I believe that I recognized um, how important reflection is actually when I got my first executive coach. Mm -hmm. um, and it was right after I returned to work after my first maternity leave. Um, so this was what, this was 11 years ago. Okay. Um, and I remember like I was really struggling because I don't know, I felt, I was feeling very vulnerable because I wanted to show that I could still do it all. Like even though I had a baby now mm -hmm. and I was, I was struggling with, um, saying yes to everything 
and the really important things weren't getting done. Like I, going back to your point of, I was getting all the easy things done on my to-do list, but the big strategic rocks were kind of like slipping through the cracks. Um, so I decided to hire an executive coach and she was amazing. A lot of what she did with me, a lot of what she did with me was, you know, ask questions very much like a therapist, you know, like she would ask the right questions. And a lot of those questions would lead to reflection. Um, and it got to a point where, you know, I worked with her for years um, and it, it just became a practice, right? The more you do something, yeah. it just became like a practice, a muscle sort of that, that I, that I built that just became like a very natural part of my life. And you and were my, seeing value from it, right? I was seeing so much value from it because when, when I hired her, what I realized was that I was just, it talk about being in autopilot mode. Like I was just like a machine, you know, just like getting stuff done. And I remember like sitting with her and really taking a big step back and thinking about like, what are the big, wh where do I want to be spending my time? Um, and I remember drawing like an X axis and a Y axis. So I call it my four square model where the four quadrants are me, family, career, and world, you know, world being more of the nonprofit work that I do. And I just came up with a couple of really big things in each one of those four areas that I wanted to focus on and structured my day um, so that I could really be spending 70 to 80% of it in those areas. It's it's not realistic to say it's going to be 100%, right? Because there's yeah. always the administrative stuff that we have to do. But um, I've I've used, you know, I call it my Foursquare and I, I've, I've been using it for since then. It's been 11 years. Um, I still have it today, you know, and I, it's something that I always refer to. Um, I think this is in Myth of the Nice Girl, it too, is. right? It's, I know it's in one, maybe in both books, but I know it's in that one. Yeah, there's a whole chapter on it in, in the Myth of the Nice Girl. Yeah. Um, and it's just something like for me, it's really great. Like kind of once a quarter, I check in with myself and I'm like, do, do these still apply? Do I want to change things up? And every week, this is the important part from a discipline perspective, like every Friday or over the weekend, I will look at my calendar for the upcoming week and I look at my to-do list because that's where you're spending your time, right? Calendar mm -hmm. and to-do list. So I look at that and I look for alignment with my four square. And if there is an alignment, then I, I, I change things up, you know, like I'll, cause I'm always about creating time in my calendar. So I might like move a meeting out. I might cancel it. I might shorten it. I might delegate it. Um, if I feel like, wait a second, you know, sometimes you say yes to things and then you're like, why did I say, why did I say All yes to this? The time. <laughs> All the time. I'm like, why is this on my calendar? What was I thinking when I said yes? Um, so I'm, I'm very like, I'm, I'm very disciplined about that. And I think that's a really important part of it is that, that constant like weekly check-in. And also like I pay attention to if there's a certain priority that I'm just like never getting to, maybe it's not really a priority, you know, and I have to, I have to revisit it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because as you're talking about, um, sort of that inclination to say yes to things. I mean, there's a, there's a couple things at, at work, right? There's, there's both your voracious curiosity of learning something new. And so when you're a really curious person and you're, you love learning, you, you may be more inclined to say yes to everything, right? 
And when you when you couple that with the nice piece and trying to be helpful to other people, <laughs> there's like a couple of things at play there. Let's talk about pushing back. You know, you've, you've talked a little bit about prioritizing and how you go about doing yeah. that, but maybe how you get the balance right and talk about setting boundaries for yourself and for other people as it relates to not taking on too much, not saying yes to things that really don't make sense for you. Yeah. And this is so important. And it's a big part of section three in Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, because I actually did a survey because I wanted to understand why we have such a hard time saying no. And what I learned is that it's really complicated. There were like 15 different reasons um, from people pleasing, which you just touched on, which is my big thing, (laughs) to FOMO, to... um, feeling vulnerable, um, to being addicted to being busy, mm. believe it or not, and just wanting Amen. to like, yeah. right? Oh, that's a big thing. That, that addiction. <laughs> so there's all these reasons. So I always say like step one to this is knowing what is your reason? Like what's, what is your why for having a hard time saying no and being hyper aware of that so that when you get that request in your inbox and you're about to say yes, it's like checking in with yourself. You know, like for me, I literally have to check in with myself and say, wait a second, am I saying yes just because I feel bad saying no? Or am I saying yes because this is really like something that's strategic? It's something that's aligned with my priorities, or maybe it's just something that it's going to bring me joy, something that I want to do. Um, so I have to be very intentional and I, it's very important that I do that. Um, sometimes I'll even like say, you know what, I don't need to respond to this right now. Like, let me think about it and then come back to it. And I always say like, when you say no, you can keep it short and sweet. You don't need to spend three paragraphs explaining why you can't do something. You can start by saying, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. You know, thank you for the invitation. Um, and then, you know, you can just say, like, look, I'm, I'm heads down. I'm heads down writing my book. I'm heads down working on my business. I'm heads down working on this project. So I'm not going to be able to participate. But I wish you all the best. Like two lines, two lines. And it's so important because I just think about how I feel. Like I feel like, you know, when I say no, it's like, ah, I just like created all this time for myself and all this space, right? So it's one of the most important things that we can do. is to protect that, protect that time and protect that energy because there are most, there really are most special and most precious resources. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love for you to talk a little bit about your own personal practice, your own mindfulness practice. I know you're very dedicated to it every day. What does that look like for you? Yeah, it's really, um, the morning, you know, it's, it's when I wake up, I, I always wake up like 20 minutes before my kids wake up, um, because I need that time to just get myself ready for the day. Um, you know, and one of the things that I always try to do is just something that will help me to connect with myself. It could be listening to a two minute guided meditation, you know, it might be like stretching, um, you know, it might be like doing my gratitude journal. It could look different every day, but it's really important that I'm doing something to connect with myself. Um, and I'm not looking at my phone first thing. Like that's a really big deal for me because 
I know that as soon as I look at my phone, I'm going to start getting all like, you know, oh my gosh, the emails and the texts. <laughs> so just, it's my, like, it's something that I feel so strongly about, you know, if you could start your day by connecting with yourself, truly like feeling grounded, um, whatever that might look like for you, it's huge. Like it just, it puts me in such a good, good um, place, you know? Yeah. For the whole day. It just helps me feel more present, more grounded, um, not as not as frenzied, um, not as rushed. You know, the other thing that I always like to say is like I really try to build in 10 minutes between Zooms, between meetings, um, just so that I can reset. It doesn't feel good for me when I'm like rushing mm-hmm. from one meeting like right into another. Um, because I really want to make sure that I'm connecting with people and it's hard to do that when you're, you're doing like, even like now, Laura, like, you know, we're going to finish up soon and I have 30 minutes before my next meeting, the back to back doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. So it's just like integrating these little, these are just little things, right? Like Mm -hmm. throughout the day. Um, the other one that I like is when I start a meeting, I always like to spend a minute or two just connecting with the other person and not just like jumping into the agenda, but maybe like asking them how a certain part of the project is going. Like if I know that they're, they've been struggling with it, just something to show that um, you've been listening to them and that you're very aware of what's going on mm-hmm. with them at work or, or in their life. Um, and I think, again, like when you do that, it just it makes the rest of the the meeting so much more productive versus just jumping into the agenda. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, As you know, a a piece of this workbook is around knowing your value. And part of that can be developing your brand and your personal pitch. You hear a lot of pitches from female founders, these companies that you're working with and advising. Maybe best practices or some great tips for developing that excellent pitch for yourself, whether yeah. it's your company or yeah. yourself or both. Yeah, you know, I I always say, like, I think it's so compelling when I hear a pitch and the founder starts with their origin story, like their why. Um, versus just jumping into the market and the product and the pain point. Like, I want to hear really about like, why, why is the founder, you know, personally excited and and passionate about this and why are they the right person to be taking this on? And I feel like so often founders will pitch me and they just skip that part. You know, they're so focused on the product and the market as opposed to focusing on why they're the perfect person to be taking this on. So that would be my, my biggest, my biggest advice. Yeah. That's great advice. That's really great advice. Maybe one final question. If you could go back and talk to 22 year old Fran, as she was just launching in her career, what advice would you give her? I think the biggest advice I would give her is to not put so much emphasis on what you believe others expect of you, um, but to really create your own expectations for yourself. I think that's something, you know, especially early on in my career, like I was always just so worried about what others, what I believed others expected of me in my career in terms of my next move. 
Um, and I think, you know, it's just really important to, to believe in yourself and to, and to set your own expectations. Yeah. That's great advice. Fran, I loved, <laughs> loved this conversation. Thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it, Laura. Thank you. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Well, I love both books. Um, the latest one, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, is out now. But you need to also pick up the myth of the nice girl, achieving a career you love without becoming a person you hate. They're both terrific. We'll include those links to purchase those in the show notes for the episode. Fran, thank you so much again. Really loved it. Thanks, Laura. Hey, friend, I hope you enjoyed part two of my two-part conversation with Fran Hauser. A few themes that really jumped out for me in this conversation. Fran's four-square model, how she thinks about reflection and mindfulness, her thoughts on saying no to things that we might feel obligated to say yes to, and then her terrific advice on how to make your pitch stand out. So many great pieces of advice are packed in here. I think though my favorite for this episode was probably how Fran talks about the power of reflection and why it matters as we set a strategy for our career journey. That focus on being strategic is clearly a core value for Fran, along with that important quality that we talked so much about in episode 197, how nice has been a differentiating factor for Fran in her career. Most of all, friend, I hope you found this investment of your time with us worthwhile, and I'd love to hear from you. You can direct message me on social media. You'll find me at Laura Cox Kaplan on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or you can use the contact link at she said she said podcast.com, which I've also included in the show notes, along with a full transcript of this episode. You will actually find full transcripts of all of our She Said She Said podcast conversations on our website at she said she said podcast.com. Those can be a great tool, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're not able to take notes that there were themes maybe that really resonated with you. You can download those transcripts, print them out or have them on your phone and look up those pieces that really resonated with you. I think it can be a really helpful tool for you. So be sure and check that out. Friend, I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, you take care. She Said, She Said podcast is a weekly production of She Said, She Said Media.